Let's move to the sermon for today. We are moving back to the Wonder of God series. And this is week six. We'll be in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. And we're talking about God's word, which is a wonder of the wonder of God. Again, this is week six in this series. The first three weeks we spent talking about the attributes of God. And now this is week three, looking to the revelation of God to sinful humanity. Now the first couple weeks and today we focused on the God revealing himself through his word. We have the special revelation of God through his word, which we know, compiled together now today in the Bible. <clears throat> we also have general revelation, which we'll speak to next, which will be how God reveals himself through creation and things of the world. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, we read, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training for righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We come together today knowing this to be true. We come today worshiping God because what we know from his word. We come together we, to glorify him with reading of the word, meditating upon the word, and then finding application for our lives. But although we do this ourselves, knowing it to be true, there's many in the world which do not know this to be true. Many do not believe the words in this great book that we have before us. Many may tell the stories within as nice bedtime stories to their kids, something to help them sleep at night. But as they tell these stories, they don't truly believe it. Or at the very least, they don't truly live by it. Many mock the words which we come together to study. Some call them archaic ways to live. You see that in society every day, in the news and in media and music and movies, in the schools. Everywhere you go, you see people mocking the righteous ways to live which we see in the word of God. You see them mocking it, calling it archaic, old school ways to live. And think we're not sensitive to the ways of the world when really we know that the ways of the world are not the righteous ways. They're not truly the ways to live by in love at all. Because to let people continue to live in an unworthy way, in a wicked way, in a sinful way, that's not love. That's to let them be led astray further and further. Again, others may see some truth in the words, but they only take certain pieces which they feel they can agree with as they struggle with things which make them change. They want to mold God's word into what sounds good to them instead of molding themselves to see what is really right. We want more and we should want more as we know that these are not just nice words to live by. They're not just nice things to help us sleep better at night. They're not just things to help us live happier lives or as one famous pastor who teaches blasphemously. That's a big word. You can look that up later. They're not words to help us live our best lives now. For our best lives will never be now. They'll be in the future with God. Here's the point. The word is of God. And it is true. And it is useful. Let's say that together once. The word is of God and is true and is useful. We know that within this word, within these pages of the Bible, 
are the divine revelations of God himself to humankind. We know of God and he knows us and he is worthy to be praised. In fact, in Psalm 113.3 it says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. How often do we do this? I can say not nearly enough. Now to each of us, maybe we see God revealing himself to us in a little bit different way. For me, I love going on a hike or being out on a, on a walk or a run, basically being outside of a building. Seeing the sunset, seeing the sunrise, seeing the animals, seeing creation, seeing the hills. Let me tell you, there are beautiful hills here in Wisconsin. We just got a new piece for our playground yesterday, and as we drove in between Colfax and Menominee out in the country off 40 and, and B, we just admired the hills. It's amazing what you can take for granted when you've lived here all your life, or even just five years. But why is it that we praise God when we see these things, but we don't praise Him when we see the everyday things? This scripture says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. To see every single day how he, he continues to care for each and every single one of us. Even in our sinfulness. Even in our mistakes. God continues to forgive. God continues to provide. God continues to love and care and bring strength and bring wisdom to bring discernment to his people. I don't think we hear that enough today. We focus on our mistakes so much that we forget or we fail to see how God wants to help move us from those mistakes and into a better way of living. His righteousness, his righteous ways, and to be in light of his glory forever. These are things which we learn about in the word. We know him to be worthy of this praise because we read his words in the Bible and believe them to be true. To be, and believe them to be of his spoken words to mankind. We praise him for he makes himself known to us in many ways. Sinful man has his words, the word of God. And as we know from scripture, it is useful. It's useful. It's not what society believes at all, though. Society believes it not to be useful. They believe that it's keeping us in the past. And God wants to use us to show people that no, it's still here for today and for every day and for the future as well. For in his word, we see his greatness. In his word, we see his promises. In his word, we see his encouragements, his lessons to learn, his challenges, his convictions, his redemptive plan for humanity. We see his very being and nature exposed to us. Something which without him Revealing himself to us in this way, we wouldn't even be able to begin to understand. But because we have the Holy Spirit within us, he brings understanding to the words we read. In his word, we see and understand there to be wisdom and assurance for life. Today and every day forever. Within the Bible, we see stories of real people. Flawed people like you and I. Isn't it? It's so easy to look to the Bible and see the heroes of Scripture. And we refer to them as that. The heroes of faith. But we need to remind ourselves that they're also just flawed individuals who God used for His glory. 
And God wants to do the same for each and every single one of us. We read all these things in the Word. The Word is of God and is true, and it is useful. Author Philip Yancey once wrote of this, or spoke of this. As he spoke, he brought attention to the fact that the Bible shows us that the flawed people of God chooses to use us. And I quote, he says, he uses us who make shockingly bad choices and yet still, still, we're not only pursued by God, but equipped by God and used by God for his kingdom and for his glory. There's so much to focus on here. There's so much which could turn into sermons upon sermons. But you see, we ask God to equip us every day. We ask for him to do a good work within us to help us. But we fail to see how he's not just doing that for no reason. He's doing it because he also wants to use us. And we see this in his word that time and time and time again, he equips his people. And it's not just for their own glory, it's for the glory of God. He wants to use us. And he wants to use us as we dig into his word day after day, week after week, year after year. And as we become more and more like Christ through sanctification of the Holy Spirit and the use of his word. He wants to use us more. What a glorious peace there is to find in the word of God, in the wisdom, in the comfort, in the strength, in the peace, in the life. But here's the thing. Not all people believe it to be true, do they? Not all people believe it to, tr to be true. And I'd be naive to think that there's not one person at least, if not many, in this very church today who struggle to believe that it's true. Because we all struggle. Not all people believe. And if you're burdened today, I want you to be burdened by that truth. Not all people believe. And even if they do say they believe, not all people are, as James proclaims, to, for us to be doers of the word. Doers of the word. So often we claim to believe, but our very actions whether they're spoken or whether they're thought or whether they're lived out, those actions don't show that we truly believe, that we truly have faith in his word to be true and in what it says about him. So today we're focusing on why do we believe in the word to be true and useful and of God? And we spoke of this uh, about a month ago before we had to take a break for some different things. So I just want to go into two main points of why can you believe the word to be true, useful, and of God. And then we'll end with looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and kind of breaking those verses apart and seeing how the different words apply to our lives. And we're going to start with this. Point one, point one is simply, we believe his word, the God-inspired words in the Bible, to be true and useful because history supports the trustworthiness of God's word. Last month we talked about how the Bible supports the Bible and how we can look to different scriptures and see how the scriptures themselves proclaim and teach us that they are trustworthiness. Today we start with the history which supports it. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 again says, All scriptures breathed out by God. And this is divine, it's powerful divine. It's purposed and full of purpose and and usefulness for 
Christians, for believers. But how can we truly believe this? Well, let's look to history. Let's look to how it has stood the test of time. You see, we value the Bible today. The scriptures show us God's words were valued. Even in Bible days, biblical days, the days of the apostles, the day of the prophets. But what about the times in between then and now? Back then, here today? Well, let's look to this. First, I want you to see that the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. The best-selling book of all time. In fact, I just bought a Bible for someone in here today, uh, this week, and it's sitting back on the bookshelf. You know who you are. I hope you get it back there. Um, it's the best-selling book of all time. It's not without reason. It's not without value. It's simply because it's always been seen of great value, true and useful. It's been passed down generation after generation after generation. So you see, the Bible being the best-selling book of all time is not something new. It's not something just from the past ten years at all. It's since its creation. Really, it's since the creation, period. For even before the Word of God was mass-produced on paper and compiled together, it was known by the masses as it would be told to one another proclaimed to one another, taught to one another. The law was proclaimed in the temples. And then the men going into the temples would go into their homes, into their houses, to their families, and they would say what they knew and learned. You know, that the Bible was, was so passionately, intimately memorized because they didn't have the many blessings we have today in technology. And as great as it is for the benefits we have with technology, we're lacking and how we don't memorize like they once did. Speaking of the Bible being the most bestseller of all times, here in modern times we have found, get this number, over, over 20,000 copies or manuscripts to base the truth we know from God's Word from. Over 20,000 numbers. Uh, Copies. Now, let's take this step further. The New Testament alone has nearly 6,000 complete or fragments of which have been found, preserved. 6,000 copies. It is amazing that history supports the trustworthiness of God's word being inspired by God. For only God could have truly allowed that amazing, just awe-inspiring number of God's word to still be able to be found to this day. Now, let's give a statistic. Compare this to some of this, the Greek classics, which people do not argue the authority or the authorship of, things like from Plato and Homer, which have less than 100 copies of which have been found. There's a few which are over that, but it's still like 118 copies. And yet they're taught in schools. They're spoke of in, acad in academic classes at the college level. Only 100 have been found. We have 20,000 pieces of copies of the original manuscripts, of which some date back all the way to the 2nd century. And when something dates back that close to the original happenings, there's less likelihood of falsehood. There's less likelihood of falsehood. Let me give you one more piece to compare to Shakespeare's works. I read when I was preparing for this sermon that the works of Shakespeare, of which no one seems to doubt the authorship of, 
have just over 100 copies of the original manuscripts. Just over 100. Do I need to compare again 120,000, 106,000 of the New Testament to back up the historical trustworthiness of these words, of these manuscripts even more? We have biblical archaeologists who every single day are finding more and more archaeological evidence to prove that God's word does line up with history. Every day they find more and more evidence to say, wow, this story is here, and look, here's this finding that has this inscribed on it from a thousand years ago. I could be mistaken, but I believe Tim and Cassie Jacobson saw some of those very things when they traveled just a couple months ago. And then we have the fact that the Word of God has been passed down, preserved so diligently and in such numbers. People pass it down with such passion. Generation, 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 generation. Because it's true and it's powerful and it's useful and it's of God. History supports the divine inspiration and usefulness of God's Word. And it supports that it is from God Himself. But then my point number two is that Jesus Himself also supports the Bible's being revelation by God Himself. Not only is Jesus the fulfillment of Scripture, of which we could go into great detail of. In fact, the ESV Study Bible, which is actually that Bible I just ordered for an individual in here. Great Bible, the ESV Study Bible. So many footnotes and study materials. It has this. It says, Jesus saw his entire life as a fulfillment of Scripture. Gives example from Matthew 26, 54, Mark 8, 31. It says, throughout his life, Jesus used scriptures to resist temptation, to settle disputes. And at the end of his life, Jesus even died quoting scriptures. On his resurrection day, he explained scripture at length on the Emmaus Road and to his disciples in Jerusalem. All of which fulfill scriptures. But let's take this further. Jesus wasn't just the fulfillment of scripture. Jesus gave further evidence that the scriptures are from God. One example here, Jesus reveals himself numerous times as the Son of God. And yet when he refers to the law or the scriptures of the Old Testament words, he often refers to this as my Father's law. My Father's words. He quotes from Genesis as his father's word when he said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus is not only the fulfillment of Scripture, but he also verifies the authority of Scripture being from God himself. Jesus' view of the Old Testament is that it is the Word of God. Jesus shows us time and time again, the Bible is trustworthy and true. But he doesn't just show us this. He shows us personally with his quoting of the law how we should be applying it to our lives and living by it. And if Jesus gives us this illustration, I think it's pretty important for us to yield to it. But let's move on to point three. If that's not enough for you, I want us to see how Scripture itself gives us instruction 
Scripture itself shows us how we should live by it as His Word and see the usefulness. For point three is disciples of Christ must live by the Word of God. Disciples of Christ must live by the Word of God. My main idea here is this. The words within the Bible being God-breathed means we must take it seriously. I ended with this thought at the last sermon in this series. The scripture being God-breathed, being his very word for us, his revelation to sinful humanity, means we must take it seriously. The word's not just coming to us from someone who maybe is a stranger on the street and we question ourselves, huh, should I listen to him or should I not? Again, I used to like to hike. I still do. I just don't do it as much as I should. And maybe you'd walk, you'd come, a, you'd come across somebody on a hiking trail which says, don't go that way. The map may say it's a shortcut, but there's a rock blocking the trail. You can't get around it. And they say, go that way instead. Well, we look at our map and we say, what if they're wrong? We don't know them. We don't know if we can trust them. We don't know if we should listen to them. The map shows it saves a whole day of hiking. I could see myself in air. Why are you all shaking your heads? <laughs> I could see myself going that way saying, mm, I, I want to at least check it first. But in doing so, I'm just causing myself more trouble. God's word is God's word. We don't need to check it. We need to follow it. Let me say that again. God's word is God's word. We don't need to check it. We need to follow it. Christians must obey the word in all ways and rightly apply it, apply it to our lives. And another thing about the word of God, don't be so focused on one aspect of the word that we fail to see the full application in the numerous ways it can help us to worship him better and to live by it better. An example, and this isn't in my notes here, I was going to get into this later, and maybe I still will. But I know too often we get on our hobby horses, and we're, we're always looking to the Word of God for how it encourages us. Because maybe that's what we think we need. We need encouragement. And every time we go into the Word of God, we're looking for, okay, how is God's Word going to encourage me today? But maybe what God knows is you don't need encouragement today. You need a challenge today. Or maybe you don't need encouragement today. You need a little bit of wisdom on, on how God's telling you to change the path you're on. There's a lot of people today just preaching the comfortable things of God's word instead of preaching the hard things of God's word. And we need to do the hard things too. For within it is truthful ways to live. Back to the notes. Let's break this down a little bit. Looking more to the scripture in 2 Timothy, let me read it. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. We, we talked about that part. Any questions? Good. It also says, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof. Now, I want to connect. I wish I had like John Piper. He can write on the screen. He can draw arrows. He can slash through things, underline, do whatever. I don't have that. But when it says for profitable, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training. Every single one of these things, I'm just going to walk over and point. For teaching, reproof, correction, 
training, all these things connect with this word profitable. Profitable. That means it's good. It's, it means it's something it adds to your life. It means it's something that is worthy of your attention. So as we read this, we see Scripture being breathed out by God. And if that wasn't enough to just tell us, wow, we need to yield to this. This is God's word. But we also can see it is profitable for every single one of us in this room. In fact, it's not just profitable for us. It's profitable for all people. Just all people don't yield to it. Because all people have not submitted their lives to the Lord as they should. It's profitable for teaching. I'm going to add that word in front of each one. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. It's profitable for training in righteousness. It's profitable that the man of God may be complete. And it's profitable that we may be equipped for every good work. Now, there's so many other scriptures which talk about how God's word helps a believer. I know there's so much more. Here it's talking about teaching, reproof, correction, training, that we might be equipped and complete. But we can also look to see that God's word is everything and anything you need. For it does bring encouragement when you need that encouragement. It does bring that comfort when you need comfort. It does bring that strength to continue to persevere and walk forward in faith when we don't know how we can walk forward. One more step. God's word leads us to the one which can help us through any time and every time. And in everything we can say, the Lord is good. For we know that even the evil of this world, even the most terrible things you can imagine, are used for his purpose, for his kingdom. And it will come around to be good. Let's talk about this. It says profitable for teaching. That's that first thing I want to dig into. I want to explore just briefly. Profitable for teaching. It means it applies to our life. And as we think about our life, I want to ask, do you read the word of God as being instructional, teaching you? Or do we just read the word of God to try and verify what we already think to be true? Because the word of God is not just there to verify that your way is right. The Word of God is there to teach you what way is truly right. Do you read the words within with value? For what is being taught is of great value. God calls sinners to redemption and equips them not just with newfound hope, but with intent and a purpose and to be used for His kingdom come in His Word. As I think about what's being taught is of great value, I think of our teachers, which I have two in the front row. That's why people don't sit in the front row. I bring attention to them. I'm sorry. I know you can take it. Most parents in here would at least say, we love our teachers because we know that they are teaching them good things. Now, there's a lot of bad, which does get taught too, especially in public school. There's some stuff that's taught with evolution and, and other things against God's word. But when we have a Christian teacher, we know that they teach good too. How much better can we see that what God teaches is good? Are you valuing what God is teaching you? It says it's profitable for teaching. The scripture also says it's God's, God breathes and for reproof. 
for correction. And seeing this, we must realize that we must not skip over the hard parts. I wrote this quote down. I don't remember who it came from. More of an idea, really. But it says, God's word is meant to be like a chisel in the hands of a master artist, chiseling away the stone which sin and ways of the world are true. And then it reveals his great image within. God's word is like a chisel, chiseling away the ways of the world and sin, making us into the image that he wants us to be. You know, that master artist, he knows what you're supposed to be. And although when he chisels away those pieces, it might be hard, he is forming you into who you're truly created and purposed to be. I wrote down an illustration. To humanity for thousands of years, the stone or Mount Rushmore is now found with just stone. I'm going to Mount Rushmore last, next week, so that's on my mind. I'm going to get to see some of these national parks and the Badlands and Custer State Park and Mount Rushmore and those things out there, and I'm excited to see them. But as I thought about that, I was thinking how Mount Rushmore at one time was just a piece of rock until that master artist looked up there and envisioned this could have the heads of our presidents on it. Let me tell you, I'm not that creative. And then to think... You can use dynamite and explosives to blow this up and yet to make it something good. And now we see it today. That's what God does to your lives. You might think he's blowing it up. You might think he's doing devastation. You might think, God, how can you take that away? How can you take this away? I'm sure that first piece of dynamite that went off on Mount Rushmore, the person said, uh-oh. There's no uh-ohs with God. He knows what he's doing. And just as that Mount Rushmore could turn out so great, so great that you see the pictures, you're like, how did they make that nose? It even looks like there's two little holes there. God chiseling away at our lives is making us into a better person, a new person, one not controlled by the old ways of sinfulness. Yes, we still struggle with it. But through God's chiseling, through God's helping, he's making us more into the image of Christ with each day. A glorifying picture of his righteousness, of his glory. Let's move forward here. All the word is his word, and it says it's useful for training in righteousness. Without his word, his divine and special revelation, we may be led to continue down the road of demise and sinful natures, of ways which lead to pain. But when we see that his word is profitable and training us for righteousness, we understand that even the hard things do help us to be better. It helps us to be right. I love breaking down that word righteousness. I think some people see that word righteousness and they think of it as some big word which, which is unachievable or archaic. All it means is right. God's word is profitable, it's true, it's trustworthy, and it trains us to live rightly. Right lives. Right lives not dedicated to wrongful teaching. Verse 17, now it says, The man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. You see, all humanity, men and women who are, who are of God, 
may be complete and equipped for every good work. But it's only through his word that we see this. It's only through his word that we achieve this. And there's so many people of the world that do not believe it. And yet they're searching all over the world for what will fulfill them. What will make them happy. What will make them complete. And they're never going to find it. Until they come into relationship with that master artist. The one with the chisel. The one who created it all. The one who reveals himself in the word. Do you have his word working, happening inside of you? Submit to the Lord. He is good. How about some application as we work to close here? I wrote this down first. Let us all make a pact today to be in the word of God. And not just weekly, not just on Sundays, every single day. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I do a good job. But I guarantee every one of us here struggles at some point or some time. And if you've got it all together, great. Praise the Lord. Find somebody else who doesn't. Help them. Guide them. Lead them. Encourage them. Challenge them. We're meant to work together for the glory of God, not alone. God wants to use us together. Every day we should be in the Word of God. Every day we should be acknowledging that we do not always know as much as we claim to know. I wrote down, we should be asking each other how they are doing in this. We should be helping to encourage one another, keeping each other accountable in this. So be careful as you ask people, as we should, what are you reading this week in the Word? What are you reading in your devotionals? What are you learning about God and His plan and His righteousness and His glory? As you do that, be careful not to sound condemning. Be careful not to sound condemning. I say that again because it is so easy to say, what are you reading? And sound like somebody's condemning you and now you have, to, you have to prove yourself. Again, we all struggle with different things. Let's help one another. Let's ask each other. Call each other up and check in. Ask what they read that day. Ask what God has instructed them with through his word. Ask what God's been reproofing them, correcting within them. Ask how he is equipping, equipping them to be more complete, to be more like Christ. Ask how God is comforting you through this time. Ask, ask how God is bringing strength to them. Have you noticed how almost every missionary who comes in here, who's doing God's work around the world, they often say, this has been my verse this week, this month, this year. This is what God's been working on me. Because they know more than most that if you're to do God's work and work and dedicate your lives to doing God's work around the world, you need to see how he's working on you through his word. You need to dedicate your life to reading it, to studying it, to meditate upon it. And then some closing application if what I just said wasn't enough for you. I believe, again, I said this earlier, we have a shortcoming in that sometimes we get stuck on one aspect of the word and how it applies to our lives instead of seeing the many ways it helps us. So maybe we see how it's, maybe we see and we think the word of God is just a bunch of law, just a bunch of instructions. It's just a big book of rules. And because that, when we're struggling greatly with our faith, we don't go to his word to see how it reassures us. 
Or maybe we struggle because we see it as just a bunch of book of laws and rules, so we fail to see how the Word of God does bring comfort to us in our time of our need. Whatever your weakness is, God has a way of strengthening you in the Word. Whatever your strength is, God has a way of also humbling you and bringing you to the reality of seeing that only He is to be glorified above all things. Look to the Word of God and see how it can help you in all ways, not just some ways. Let go of your hobby horses, of which we fail to get off of at times, and see how the Word is profitable for many ways, not just some ways. Today is not your, just your best day ever, but the Word of God does tell us of the best days ever that we'll be able to live with Him in His heaven and in His future earth. The Word of God helps followers to live righteously. But we fail often to see that this also glorifies Him. When we're in the Word of God, it's, just not, it's not just living us to live righteously. It's helping us to glorify the One who created all things, including you. It helps us to see that our identities, our purpose, our fulfillment can't be fulfilled in anything of this world and cannot be ordered to be by anything of this world but by God. Find your identity in Him. Again, the Word is not just to glorify ourselves and to live happier lives. It's all for His glory and living in His righteous ways found in the Word, His inspired divine Word. It does lead to happier lives, but our happiest life ever will be with Him in eternity where there's no more sin, there's no more tears, there's no more pain, and we're not separated from our divine Father. So knowing all this, my closing challenge is this. I want us to prayerfully acknowledge the Bible today as being God's own holy revealed word. Seriously, think about that. Prayerfully acknowledge the Bible as being God's holy revealed word and acknowledge the usefulness to all those who are trust in it. Prayerfully do this today with me together. And think about that statement. Prayerfully acknowledge that it is God's word and think, are you respecting it in such a way? This is God's word to us. He reveals himself. The God of all creation reveals himself and he helps us to live righteously in a way which brings him glory. In a way which uses us to equip us to be used for it too. Prayerfully acknowledge the greatness that that he has given us. The great wonder which we have in the wonder of God. Martin Luther once said this. He said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. And it lays hold of me. Has the Bible laid hold of you? Has it spoken to you? Do you feel like it chases after you? If not, prayerfully plead with God. Help you to see it. Help it to lay hold of you. Help it to change your life. The word of God is divinely inspired, true, and useful. Let's close in prayer and a song. Lord, we thank you for your word is true. And today, we just want to prayerfully acknowledge what we spoke of today, what we studied today. That the word of God is your word. It is true. And it is useful. Today, Lord, we just pray, Lord, we seek forgiveness 
I myself want to just repent and say, Lord, help me to turn away from thoughts at times which do not lead me to your word but to the world. And I feel we all struggle with this at times. Help us to prayerfully remember that your word is of you and is true and it is useful. Lord, help us to, to be led to where we need to be led in your word and to understand it in a way which continues to chisel away the sin and the ways of the world and helps us to remember that the ways of God, your righteousness, are best. Help bring comfort through your word to those who need comfort today. I know there's many in this body that need that comfort. Lord, remind them of your gratefulness. Remind them of you being a, such a great and amazing refuge. Remind them of the peace that goes beyond understanding that your word proclaims to us. Remind them of the life and the love and the hope that comes in knowing your word to be true and useful, profitable. And Lord, to those who need challenge, conviction, to those who need taught in the ways of righteousness, we pray for this as well. It may be hard to have that chisel chiseling away at us, but Lord, we know you're the master artist. And there's no mistakes when you're making us into the image of Christ. Use us, Lord. As you equip us with your word, we pray, Lord, use us for your glory, that all might come to know you. Use us for your glory. And Lord, we just pray until the day comes when you return for us, when you bring us into your heaven and into eternity, of which we look forward to with great hope and anticipation. But until that day comes, use your word to sustain us and provide for us in ways we can't even imagine. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is God-breathed and trustworthy. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Thank you. Let's stand and close in one last song together. Thank you. Let's sing. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find Thy power in Thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. For nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's Lamb. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in Him complete, Jesus.
Jesus died, my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Liam Mona often attend a church while they're in Florida. Well, they always attend in church in Florida. And you always tell me about a banner that's at the back of the door as they leave. Lee, what's that banner say? Know your story, share a story. Our sign there also says, inspired by that, know your story, share your story. We are to know Christ and make him known. And I say, as we go out of this room, I want you to remember that we're all on a mission. The mission is to proclaim that God so loved the world that he didn't just give us the word, but he gave us the fulfillment of the word, and that's Jesus Christ as Lord. Remember that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus Christ that whoever so, whosoever believeth in him might have eternal life. God loved us so he gave us Jesus. Proclaim that word. Proclaim the truth. Proclaim the need. Thank you. May God be with you.